Welcome to the Diamond Frequency Podcast. My name is Kim Fisher. I am a manifesting coach and a spiritual business leader showing women how to find, refine, and sustain the life of their dreams in order to achieve success and lasting happiness and impact in this world. I do this through the lens of my research background in cognitive science, psychology, and human-computer interaction, plus insights from my two decades of yoga practice and teaching and entrepreneurship experience. I believe that the world needs where you want to take us, and therefore, this podcast serves as a portal for your soul's highest yes to take center stage and for action to be ignited in your life. It's an honor to have your ears, heart, and attention. Let's go get it. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. I want to talk with you about stress and pressure and how we can use that to actually transform ourselves into uh, a more courageous and present individual. What does, let's look at what yoga says about stress. Let's look at what spirituality says about challenges in general. And my hopes are that after listening to today's episode, you have a reframe, you have a new relationship with your stress, because I really think that's all it takes is a reframe, a new relationship, a new approach to stress. Because let's be honest, stress isn't going anywhere, right? Stress is a natural part of life. And that's just the key word, natural. Stress is actually just information. Stress is information about the moment, information about yourself, information about the stretch, the growth that you're going through. Um, And let's talk about what yoga says, because if we can neutralize it, if we can alchemize stress, you've already won. Because sometimes the moment isn't stressful, it's your reaction to it. Sometimes the moment is just different or unexpected. We didn't plan for it, and then we're already shouldering so much stress and worries and the burdens of household or life that when these benign moments happen, it sets us off, right? We've all been there. I've been there. It's like, wow, you look back and you're like, why did that trigger me? Why was that the sword I chose to die on today? <laughs> right? We can all look back, hindsight's 2020. So what can we know? What can we learn about stress, growth, and challenges? And change, change the relationship so that we're looking at it and reframing stress so that it's actually just information so that we can neutralize it take the energy out of it and allow it to just be information about the world. So when I think about yoga and I think about Eastern philosophy, when I hear the word stress, the first word that comes to me is tapas, T-A-P-A-S, tapas. Tapas means friction. Tapas is like if you take your hands together, and you rub them quickly, that friction that you feel, that heat is the physical sensation of tapas. Um, Tapas also in the Sanskrit word is defined as a controlled burn, 
So that's interesting, right? Friction. Yep, I get that. Difficult moments are friction producing. You're feeling like, okay, me and this person or me and this moment are definitely rubbing up against one another and I don't like it. But control burn. That's interesting, right? And the reason it's a controlled burn, it's an intentional burn, intentional discomfort is because the ancient tantric yogis knew something about our ego and discomfort. The more we're comfortable, the more our story rules, the more our ego, the subjective I, the one that's like, I like this and I don't like that. The one that's like, I'm supposed to be this person in life and I'm not going to be that. The likes, the preferences, the story of who we are, the more we're comfortable, the more that can exist. But tantric yogis, specifically back in the day of classical yoga, so about the middle of yoga's 5,000 years or so timeline, classical yogis, tantric yogis in particular, wanted to bust through the ego. And to do that, to liberate yourself from all the likes and dislikes, because really that's a bunch of bull, right? And it's like, uh, causes a lot of suffering in our lives. If we could get over that, if we could transcend the ego, well, then we probably could find some inner peace. We probably could find some wisdom. So the tantric yogis were like, let's do the weirdest shit we can do. Let's put ourselves under bizarre, pressured social moments and embarrass the crap out of ourselves, throw ourselves out of our comfort zone so much that there's no choice but to surrender to the moment, to give over this idea of self and get out of the way. So there's no self at all. There's just pure consciousness. So the tantric yogis would do things like this. They would go to the middle of the public square and they'd sit on a bench and they'd just bark or wave their arms all in the air, do like really bizarro things. People walk by and be like, that person's local. What the hell's up with that? But I mean, people knew, okay, that was a tantric yogi. But the point was to go where you shouldn't go and do the things you shouldn't do. Not to hurt anyone, not to hurt oneself, but to be out of the social norm, to push yourself so far beyond what's comfortable, to apply a controlled burn to the ego, to burn away the impurities of the mind, to burn away what's false. Because yogis believe that the ego itself is false, that there's really only just self in terms of you and the ocean. The ocean and the drop are both the same thing. You, the individual, impure chitta or consciousness are the same thing. In other words, and it is an illusion that you're separate from the great source, from the divine, from the supreme consciousness. But it's because we feel separate, we have this identity. And this identity is filled with likes and dislikes. But that gets us into trouble because what happens when they don't have your special uh, burrito that you like at Wegmans? Or you go to your grocery store and they're out of that special tofu or that sauce that you like. What if it happened to me the other day? They're out of your very nice facial cleanser on Amazon. You know, do you react? Do you lose your shit? Do you get all worried and depressed? Or do you go with the flow? Ego would lose its shit, right? So we know we're comfortable when little things like they're out of your special ingredient at your restaurant freak you out a little bit. Tantra yogis are like, let's go ahead and 
purify, burn off my weak mind so that I'm nothing but the strong, what the yogis call the diamond mind and the diamond body. So let's talk about the physical practice of tapas. Yogis would stand on one leg on the top of a skinny pole. They would stare up at the sun. They would hold their arm overhead for 30, 40 years, and they would get all morphed. And it's really gross. You can look this up. It's true. They're, you know, you hold your arm overhead, blood goes down away from the fingers. And so you lose circulation. And eventually the hand would become decrepit and decay and rot because all the blood has Basically, you would produce a dead hand and a dead arm on yourself because they wanted to do the thing the mind said not to do. They want now. This is the extreme. Please note that I am not suggesting you need to do any of this. I'm going to give you real world nowadays practical householder ways to try this. So just hang tight. Please don't think you got to go start doing barking in your in your local grocery store. I mean, unless you really wanted to. Okay, the point is the most extreme thing you could do is going to totally pull you out of any bit of comfort and place you in a zone of if you don't know who you are and if you don't have comfort, then who are you? What's left if you don't have comfort? Let's get all of the reactions, fear, embarrassment, worry, shame. Let's get those things out and up to the surface and out of the way and burn them off. And then what's left? You don't care. Your pure consciousness, you're over it. You've gotten over the ego that can be embarrassed. You've gotten over the ego that can play small. So stressors, when they happen, how do you react? Tension, when it shows up in your body and life, how do you respond? Are you embarrassed? Are you overreacting? Do you tend to lash out? And please just observe, right? We don't need to like hear these questions and then let it activate the story about your reaction. Just observe unattached right now. How do you tend to react? Is there a part of you that feels like there is room to burn off some ego. Because the more expansive you are, let me put it this way, the more expansive you are and and the more connected you are to source, the more, the larger you feel. And as a consequence, the more in tune to every being around you, you start to feel. You don't feel separateness. In other words, you expand and you feel one with everything around you. People say this is harmony. People call this balance. People call this, um, you know, just love. But there's a sense of I am you, you are me, we are one. You only get there through raising your energy. And you get there through raising your energy by typically doing some sort of discipline every single day. Maybe it's yoga postures or sadhana. Maybe it is breath work. Maybe it is mantra. Maybe it is going running. Maybe it is karate. Maybe it is qigong. Maybe it is ecstatic dance. Whatever that is for you that raises your energy and unites you and connects you with source, that is the control burn. Doing it every day, devotionally giving yourself over to it. Because listen, 
you might not be hanging out in the public square with your arm up for 15 years and barking like a dog to help you transcend ego. But what you might be doing is doing a dedicated yoga practice when your mind says, I don't want to. When your mind's like, let's sleep in. But you're like, I want to get up and do a static dance. But your brain goes, "Eh, you could sleep in 30 more minutes and you opt to sleep in. That is ego winning. That is the subjective story. That is the unconscious mind, pattern mind that is taking over once again. So Tantra, you can borrow from the Tantra yogis and say, well, what's my version of arm in the air for 30 years? How about I get up 30 minutes early? Maybe not 30 years or something, but 30 minutes earlier, and I'm going to do my radical rituals. I'm going to dance around the room. I'm going to go outside for a walk. I'm going to do my hatha yoga. I'm going to do my pranayama. I'm going to do my meditation. I'm going to do my ritual, my breath work. Even when the mind says, I don't want to, you're going to do it anyways. This is the application of a controlled tapas, a controlled burn, where we burn away the impurities of the mind. It's fickle, right? It wants to, it doesn't. It goes back and forth, back and forth. The mind, the mind, the mind. It can never know what it wants to do. It's always back and forth. But the energy, the devotional energy, the surrender to, I want to transform. I want to grow. Therefore, I devote myself to the uncomfortableness, the discomfort of doing something that I don't want to do. Getting up 30 minutes early is a great example of that. When your mind says, let's just sleep in. Here's another example for you. When and physical asanas are always a great example of this. When you're on the yoga mat and you're holding a posture and you're in class, perhaps, and the teacher hasn't cued you out of it, and you're comfortable for a breath, comfortable for the next breath, but here comes the fourth and fifth breath. And how many of you are yoga practitioners? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Fourth or fifth breath, and you're like, When are we getting out of this? Are they going to cue me out? We should be out. Okay, this is starting to burn. Okay, this isn't funny anymore. Someone exit. Someone get us the hell out of this pose. And then we go bonkers, right? We like lose our shit. And then also, oh, okay. And exhale, release the pose. And you're like, oh, what was that? What was that freak out moment by the quote unquote monkey mind? That's ego. That's the story. We can't handle it. That's the story. We shouldn't be holding it this long. That's the story of preference coming right up and barking in your face. Perfect. The next time that happens, stay there. If you feel safe, the body is in pain, you should stay. Hang out in the zone of tapas. Hang out in the edge, the place of discomfort, the place where you have a story that starts to emerge inside the mind, right? And then you can do something called observe it. You step back and then the story gets louder and it pulls you in. You believe the story, but then you go, no, I'm not the story. I am the witness consciousness. And then you go back to witness consciousness and watch the story. And aha, I have won. Victory is mine. You're watching the breath. And then suddenly the story gets louder, but my thigh's really on fire. You should really leave. Ah, I should really leave. You're right. But no, I am the witness consciousness and I... I will prevail. And I go back to the witness cut and we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Guess what? It's supposed to be like that. 
That is the mental work of yoga. Now, I don't care if you're doing this on the mat or not. Some of you, like myself, uh, like I don't identify right now as a hatha yogi. I don't do consistent asana any longer. I did that for two decades. That's I, I've moved on to other physical practices such as aesthetic dance. I work out a lot. I run, etc. I get my movement in. Don't you worry. For me, yoga, union, asana is about sitting still. It's about breath work, exploring the many nadis, the energy channels of the body with breath and sound and intention and manifesting. That is my yoga right now. But trust you me, I absolutely come into the same mental battles, even without the physical body burning, say with holding a warrior one or a bridge pose. I come into laziness. Oh, you could just, no one's looking. Because I'm my own boss, right? I could easily slip into laziness um, or putting things off or procrastination. These are all the slow, sneaky ways the mind and ego love to come in. But no, you have to come in. You have to be astute. You have to be awake. You have to be paying attention to when you are not applying tapas. Course correct. Do it anyway. The reason this is important is because a lot of you, and I have done this before in the past, we confuse stress with negativity. We confuse the complaining of the mind as a negative thing. We confuse a really challenging moment as useless, something to avoid. I don't want it. Get it the hell out of here. Now, hopefully learning more about tapas and the weird tantric yogis that I love so much and how we can apply this in our daily ritual practice. Difficulty and discomfort is a teacher. Watch and observe unattached how you are in challenging moments. You will learn about yourself. You will learn how far you've come. And you will learn how far you still have to go. And that's that's the joke. And that's the rub. And that's spiritual life as a householder. That's where you want to be. We want to be seeing, where am I still stuck in a story about pleasure? And how it's got to be this way. And where am I still avoiding things because I really don't want discomfort? But if discomfort is the teacher, can I tiptoe? somehow creatively, beautifully into the land of discomfort, intentionally throw myself into the proverbial fire of discomfort and come out the other side, as Deborah Adele says, both burned and blessed by the fire of discipline. Your stressors in life are discipline, baby. It's an opportunity. It is an invitation. Your stress is an invitation. Do you hear me? It's an invitation into alchemizing, wounds, rejection, overreaction. Your your stressors are a doorway, an invitation, an initiation into higher realms of knowing and learning about yourself. Swaha. Study. Self-study. Swaha. Studying the self. Knowing thyself so that you are not being rode by your shortcomings and your shadow self, but that you're actually riding the shadows like Ganesha rides his mouse, right? We want to make sure we know what's up with me. Where, where are my shortcomings? Where am I still freaking out when I shouldn't be? Where can I massage that so that I'm actually living 
uh, high vibrational life that's more aligned with my values than not. So stressors, it's your teacher. Go into stressful situations head on now. Be brave. Lift the chin, lift the heart, take a deep breath. And now view it as friction. View it as a controlled burn. You're still in control, but surrendering to it. Understanding that you're going to learn about yourself. Understanding that you're going to grow some sort of mm, tenacity muscle. You're going to grow um, some sort of willpower muscle that wasn't there before. You, you feel me? You're going to grow into the person you're meant to be because of stress. No one ever has stressful moments and there's, and there's just like, oh man, I wish that never happened. You're at the other end of stress and you're like, that transformed me. I have been transformed, leveled up into a new person because of that stress. Yeah, it sucked while I was going through it, but I had awareness now of the blessings of stress as a teacher. So where can you uh, relax a little if you're feeling some stress right now? Where can you maybe change your view in relationship to the stress and see it as an instructor, see it as a teacher, see it as a moment where you're going to swap, learn, self-study about yourself, swadiyaya, learn about yourself in order to grow past your shortcomings, in order to, yeah, level up your living. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I deeply hope this serves you. I see you if you're going through stressful times right now, but this is a new mindset, hopefully for some of you, or a reminder for some of you that stress is an ally should you actually choose to view it in this way. I will see you and be with you next week. 